0: what's going on everybody and welcome to the triple h podcast happy hour hoops your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice cold basketball takes we got you covered on everything nba all the time don't forget to rate
1: subscribe and review to this review this podcast we're on apple and spotify the most popular platforms we're also on some other platforms um so whatever you listen to wherever you go to listen to podcasts, check us out, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at happy hour hoops. One uh, follow us along during games. Uh, we got two big games coming up the next couple nights and games, the Western conference, Eastern conference finals for the rest of this week, as we uh, start moving towards the NBA finals in October, which is still just, it's really weird. It's really weird. Just watching a uh, basketball games next to football games, like playoff basketball games on Sunday. It's just, A strange thing, but um, this weekend or this week on Wednesday will be game four of the Boston Celtics in the Miami Heat. The Celtics on Saturday got their win and first win in the series 117 106 over the Heat. Um, Dunny, how did you feel during game three and was it an encouraging effort from the Celtics for you?
0: Um, it definitely was a, a huge sigh of relief. I mean, I feel if the Celtics go down 3 0 to this Heat team that might, might as well just be a wrap for the uh, the boys in green. But it was definitely a huge sigh of relief. Um, and it was definitely encouraging. I mean, to go down 0-2 and then to have all those, you know, the rumors and about the emotions getting too high in the locker room um, after going down 0-2 and Brown and Smart having to be separated and, you know, mm-hmm. people were questioning this team's character and, and love for one another. I think they responded in the perfect way. Um And I mean, what, what better time to get a guy like Gordon Hayward back than in game three and then to secure their first win of the series.
1: Yeah. And it can't be understated how much that he meant to that offense in that game. And just hearing the quotes from them after the game, um, just guys just raving about Gordon, just bringing a different level to their offense, bringing the ball movement back to their offense, just a dynamic piece and just that lineup that they can put out there now with tatum brown hayward smart and kemba which is a deadly small lineup and it might have trouble against bam in this series um if they put it out there in certain times but for certain sprints or certain stints in this game or in these games coming up they run that lineup it's extremely dangerous and it's just another level that the celtics can get to offensively um just having i mean he's gordon's such a key Part to that rotation and just not having him you really noticed it the first two games more I I guess I've noticed it more the first two games going back and looking at them after seeing how the Celtics looked in game three with Gordon in the lineup even though he didn't look it's not like he looked great but the other guys just being able to get going because there has to be some attention on him and the way he moves the offense just it's a game changer for the way the Celtics uh, attack the heat defense.
0: Yeah, for sure, and especially the zone. I mean, the, the guys on the broadcast um, were pointing this out uh, a lot, and it's, but it's exactly right. I mean, games one and two, the Celtics kind of had their way against the Heat's man, man-to-man defense, where we, have, we just have too many ISO scores for that. I mean, Brown can get, create his own shot. Kemba can obviously create his own shot, and then Tatum's kind of a matchup problem Yeah, um, against anyone on that Heat team. And then as soon as they went to zone in the second half, that's really when the heat started to come back from those big deficits and secure those first two games. Then all of a sudden, game three, Hayward comes in. He can space the floor. He can, you know, create his own shot in the middle, catching at that free throw line extended. And he's also a great playmaker, so he can find his open teammates. And, I mean, he's not shying away from rebounding the ball either in the zone. So it, it really opened things up offensively for them, and especially against that Eric a heat zone
1: yeah it looked Kemba was having so much trouble with that zone those first oh couple of games and it's like this is what you expect when you have Kemba Walker because in the playoffs, small guards they can still be effective but they can also just be completely taken out of games and mm-hmm. we saw that the last couple of years with Curry in some of those finals games where he would just have duds and it's just because if he's small and he's getting destroyed on defense and not making his shots and they're just blitzing him on any pick and roll and doubling him at the top of the key and everything like that. It's just making life miserable for him. Kemba had the step back going. That's pretty much what he, his only shot he's had going the whole series. And game three, he, I mean, he stepped up. Everybody stepped up in game three. And I, I really credit that to the Gordon Hayward effect, just moving the ball. I mean, it, it's it can't be a coincidence that the first time that those four guys all score 20 points in this series is the game that Gordon comes back right i think they just felt rejuvenated and i think we were talking about you mentioned it the dust up uh, after game two with marcus smart and jalen brown and you know marcus smart had an interview with sam amick of the athletic about that and about game three and just in everything in general and he just said when your families fight and if you can't trust the guys that are next to you fully to fight with them and tell them how you feel how are you going to be able to go to war with them you know it's something along the lines of that but I think a lot of teams you see a fight like that or some kind of argument like that. It's usually like a death sentence for them, but at least from my perspective, not even as a Celtics fan, outside perspective, but a person who's followed this team enough, I could tell that that kind of fight, especially from a guy like Marcus smart, that that was not that, if anything, that's going to get them rallied going forward for the rest of the series rather than take them down because they are such a tight knit group and they've been, especially smart Tatum and Jalen have been through battles together already Mm -hmm. in their career
0: yeah what the only thing that I didn't really like about how much media attention that whole that whole um you know locker room fiasco was getting was that it was all negative until Brown and Marcus Smart had their own quotes like
1: mm-hmm. every
0: media personality just made it a negative thing like when that can like you just said like that can so easily be a positive thing, especially for a tight knit team like this Boston Celtics group who, as you mentioned, have been to this conference final stage before I mean they're young but they Brown uh, Tatum and Smart have all been here yeah and so I, I just I think it was you know I think the NBA and the reporters kind of you know did the Celtics a bit of a disservice by just making it so much negative and saying that Brown and Smart had to be separated in a physical altercation it's like well it was it's a lot more more than that and um, I don't know I just I think they should have dug a little deeper and at least Someone should have maybe tried to write this in a in a positive light because clearly, you know whatever between that and the the meeting that Brad Stevens called at one a.m. that night, yeah, with his team leaders, something something from the altercation to the meeting to Game Three obviously worked for them and it clicked, uh, yeah, yeah, it got them back on the right track.
1: Yeah, I think that's just a, a just a quick aside about just media coverage for the NBA in general is that just like all media now they just love. The drama, and they're just gonna always like you're seeing tweets flying out about the Celtics' outrageous locker room. Marcus Smart slamming stuff, and it's you're just like, what's going on? When clearly that wasn't it wasn't him being angry, and yeah. the way that it was portrayed was like, oh, Marcus Smart is just going off on his team and flipping out. When it was really just a frustrated team that just lost a close like they could yeah, have blew a 17 point lead. Yeah, of course, like of course they're gonna be angry. What do you expect? Like they were up right. the whole game outplaying Miami. They out they outshot them out, field goal percentage better. They had better three-point percentage. They just had turnovers and made mistakes and shot themselves in the foot down the stretch and go down 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you expect from what I would rather see my team at least showing some emotion in that situation rather than you know rather than just going in the locker room and taking it. And that's not anything I would ever expect from somebody like Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown. My question for you for the rest of this series, and it's something I've been wondering the whole playoffs when it was going to come back to bite the Celtics. And I'm wondering if it's going to do it here because I just don't know who their go-to player currently is right now. Mm It looks like they want it to be Kemba almost all the time. Like usually at those end of game situations, it's Kemba running the offense. They do a screen with Tatum. So Tatum's usually involved, but it's usually Kemba. And, I mean, they tried it with Tatum in Game One. Bam makes the most, in, one of the most incredible blocks in NBA history. You can't really fault him for that. Yeah, Jason, at least. But who is the guy that they go to? You know, if Game Four uh, tonight goes up and it's one hundred five, one hundred four Heat with twenty seconds left, what's the best option for the Celtics? And do they know what the best option is? Do you think that Brad has any ideas? He just going by game by game
0: with that. Right, and I think I don't think at this point it can be Kemba. I think his struggle towards the end of the Toronto series, and as you mentioned in this series, him struggling with the the heat zone. I just don't. I just don't know if he can be him at the end of games. Um, he's just he's turned the ball over a lot in clutch moments. He's he's gotten his shot blocked, getting to the hoop. You know kind of avoiding contact, not really going for the foul. Um, I think it was at the end of game one there where Crowder blocked his shot. Yeah. Um, And I I think it has to be some sort of combination between Tatum and Brown. And I know know you want it to be one go-to guy, but I think all the focus is going to be on Tatum in those moments. And I think the focus was on Tatum in game three for the Heat. And then you saw how Jalen Brown was able to erupt, and he kind of had his way with the Heat. I mean, there wasn't really any particular guy on the heat or any zone that could stop Jalen from getting to the hoop. And then he's going to hit his outside shot, too. I mean, mm-hmm. Jalen Brown's outside jumper improves year after year. So I really think it's going to come down to a guy like Jalen Brown, especially if, you know, if Tatum's getting bottled up at the end of games.
1: Yeah, and Jalen made a point in game three to – he was missing those threes a little bit earlier in the series, and he made a point to get to the rim on Saturday. and that that's what Jalen, Jalen needs to get downhill and get, and I know it's, it's tough. The heat defense is not, it's not an easy task to just get to the rim. That's clear. That's been clear for Tatum and Jalen all series that they just have had trouble finding lanes to get there, but he was effective in game three. And I think just like you're saying now, like there's no reason to shy away from Jalen Brown in those situations either. I mean, you have Tatum and Kemba who you clearly want to use. They, they want Tatum to ultimately, I think the hope for this team is that Tatum can just take the ball and just be, Kobe Bryant and go up yeah. and put a jumper up and you're going to live or die with it but it hasn't happened in this playoffs and it doesn't look like he's going to do that I mean he's turned the ball over sometimes driving on those isos the block on bam just different things I don't think that Brad wants to put him in that situation and so I just I just imagine that at some point in this series it's going to be not Tatum or Kemba that's going to have to make a big play at the end of a game like a Jalen Brown or a Marcus Smart Gordon Hayward, somebody else is gonna to have to step up, um, but let's let's we've let's give credit to the Miami Heat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole playoffs. This is only that was only their second loss in the playoffs. The That's whole so playoffs, sad. they have just been a terror. We've talked about them the whole playoffs. Um, and the seventeen point comeback in Game Two was just another side of it. This team really, and they almost came back in Game Three too. They've got it down to five in the last minute or something like that. It was, it was getting close there too, but. This team is uh, – they just have no quit in them. What do you – What? Have, what's impressed you about the most about the Heat so far in the first three games?
0: Yeah, well, before I hone in on one thing, I have to say, and I have to ask you if you agree, this has to be the best five seed in oh. either conference of all time, right? Like, yeah. It, it yeah. has to be. I mean, as far, well, as, as, far as my lifetime goes, like – it. It's far Our back lifetime, I yes. yeah. Our
1: lifetime. I was gonna say, I think the Houston Rockets are the lowest in '94, '95, were a five seed when they won. Mm-hmm. But that's a different. I mean, that's that's yeah, a King okay. Elijah one, but that's still that's before both of our lifetimes. It's been yep. and it's been a very very long time since we've seen a uh, lower seeds even just in this kind of position. I can't remember what the stat was. That came up before game one but it was this is the first series without a one or two seed in the east since like early 2000s I think or no it was was like 1984 or something like that it was something crazy like that so yeah we've never seen and we knew that there was going to be parody this year and we were talking everybody's Mm -hmm. talked about it all year that it was going to be wide most wide open year that we've seen in the NBA and the east definitely shown that and now I mean the heat I never would have expected this from the beginning of the playoffs. I expected no. them to play well. I had them as, you know, they were definitely a title contender, but this is like, they look like just the best team in the league. <laughs> like just yeah.
0: overall. Yeah. I mean, I think I have to start with who I'm giving credit to, to those shooters that they have, the, you know, the, the young shooters and Harrow and Robinson those two just stay locked and loaded mm-hmm. all game, no matter if it's their first catch of the game or if they've been on the bench for 13, 14, 15 minutes and come in and they just keep pulling from downtown and they just, doesn't matter how much space they have, they are going to fire. And most, most of the time it's going to hit the bottom of the net. I mean, those two, they're just young gunners and they've just, they've been carrying the heat pretty much the yeah. whole entire playoffs. Um, and so can- I just want to give credit to them, like right off the bat.
1: And they can pick up for one another. Like, that's, like, Duncan usually starts and Hero comes off the bench or vice versa, whatever. But they, mm-hmm. if one's struggling, the other one comes in and they do not miss a beat because they have so much depth in that lineup. Dragic is out, out, outstanding at point guard. Um, mm-hmm. Jay, the Jay Crowder renaissance is one of the most amazing things of this yeah. playoffs. Like, not that Jay Crowder has ever been. I've always liked Jay Crowder as a player overall, but never, not, like the level that he's reached with the Heat is like he could be a rotation player on any team right now. The way he's playing, yeah. Um, just the defense and shot making he's had, but they're they're just so deep at every position. And you talked about draw. We talked about Dragic a little bit. He's just been killing the Celtics. The first he killed them the first two games, and in game three he didn't really play all that well, and that's when they lost. Um, were you expecting the Goran Drogic uh, to be the difference in this series when you were looking into it? Because I don't think that that was on my list, that's for sure.
0: No, I, well, I definitely wasn't expecting that, but now I'm starting to think that Dragic may be the X factor for this Heat team. I mean, you mentioned it, played spectacular in games one and two, had almost 30 in each of those two games. I think uh, game three he had under 10 points, um, and he shot a bad percentage. And, again, I think that goes back to the Celtics having Gordon Hayward, and this time it's on the defensive end for the Celtics. A lot of Drogic's success in game one and two, it really came when switches came and Daniel Tice was switched onto to Drogic, and he would just have Tice back on his heels, and he would hit a deep two or, you mm-hmm. know, an easy three. And uh, I just – I think with Hayward in the game defensively and them playing small, they could switch everything, and it wouldn't really be an issue. And that that bottled up um, Drogic a little bit. So, I mean, Hayward's definitely changing the play for the Celtics in a bunch of different ways. But I do think Goran Drogic is the X factor in this series, and that just sounds crazy for me to say. But, yeah, Goran, you, you got to give him credit. I mean, the dude's been balling, and, you know, I'd, I'd like to see what he, what he comes out with in Game 4. But I like what you just said about the Celtics' defense
1: because – that's what I've been wondering since I saw that small lineup come in with Tice out and Hayward in who who's going to, I mean, who's covering Bam in that lineup. If they put it at the end of the game, is it Jalen Brown? Probably. I mean, he'd probably be the most, I think that the Celtics defense is good enough at the perimeter that I mean, Tice isn't giving you much inside anyways. Like what, like he's not, it's not like he's a, huge it's not like he's Steven Adams like eating up boards all the time and everything. He's this undersized center anyway. So are you really losing mm-hmm. that much by having Tatum and Brown as essentially your bigs in that lineup? I don't think you really are. I think that that's and the, just the versatility that you're gonna get if Brad decides to unleash that that might be in a case of emergency thing that he's waiting to like really unleash that lineup and maybe we'll see that game three depending on how it goes or game four depending on how it turns out. But I just think there's so much potential with that lineup. Um, the only worry I have about it is a guy like Kemba getting just picked apart and them not really having anybody behind him to, you know, play that rim protector role. Cause I mean, I'm sure that Tatum and Jalen would, you know, do everything that they can in their power to be a rim protector, but you're asking yeah. you're asking them to guard Jimmy Butler and bam at the rim every play at the end of the game. That's gonna be a tough ask. You don't want those guys getting get in foul trouble
0: either. Right. I think, you know, to touch on some of what you just said, I think the Celtics realized early in this series that Bam's, for the most part, is going to get his.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's going to
0: dominate, basically, no matter what. You you saw it um, in the third quarter of game two. I mean, it was the Dragic and Bam show. It looked like they were playing, um, I can't think. Oh, NBA Jam. You know, just, <laughs> it, was just, it was just lob after lob. You know, Bam was just getting his way in the paint, and I think that's going to how it how it's going to go especially if they opt to play small Mm -hmm. but Mark Jackson made a great point on the broadcast in game three he said the reason the Celtics are able to do this is because of the way Tatum's been rebounding the ball I mean yeah he's rebounding the ball like a big and like you said Brown can give Bam enough problems where the Celtics are good enough to guard the perimeter and then the only other problem you really have there is grabbing defensive rebounds and Tatum's grabbing, like, around 12 boards a game in the series.
1: He had 14 in game three, so that's, I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, if they can do that and then, you know, I'm sure they'll live with BAM twos or fouling BAM here and there and, you know, having him shoot whatever he shoots, like, I think mid-60s at the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll live with that over, you know, three three after three after three from Harrell, Robinson, Drogic, Crowder, whoever it is where they can they have a little bit uh, bit of a better defense on the perimeter.
1: Yeah, I think that that's I think that that look that we saw is something that Brad has been waiting to unleash all year in this kind of situation. And I mean, what do they have to lose at this point? You're down in a series and especially in that zone like having everybody be a weapon on the floor. Not that Tyce Tyce can score and get his, but just Everybody can shoot. Everybody can make a play. You know, they, those guys all trust each other endlessly. I think that just that kind of lineup um, is the best to exploit whatever weaknesses the Heat have on defense, which is not a lot of them the way that they play defense. But they've been able to have success against this team, especially early in the game. And if they can just, you know, put that lineup goes out there and they can outscore the Heat, go on a 15-0 run at some point. Like, that's that's basically what you're asking for from a lineup like that. Can they, And I don't know if we've seen the Celtics. I mean, this series has also been interesting uh, for Jimmy Butler and just the narrative around Jimmy Butler in general. It's always been a weird narrative around Jimmy Butler because he's kind of like the tweener superstar star player and people just mm-hmm. are differing on him and everything. But the narrative that he's just, like, waiting until the end of games to, like, initiate offense and just they've been harping on it a lot on tv especially and i just i think that jimmy just does so much more for that team than just trying to go get a bucket especially early in the games
0: yeah yeah I just don't like you mentioned it the the guys in the broadcast and i get that um you know that's kind of their job to to find a a certain like niche story like that and to Mm -hmm. run with it but they're, they're saying that Butler is, like, almost shying away from getting his shots because he likes to just score at the end of the game. or mm-hmm. And I think he answered one of their questions like that in an interview in a way that they, like, asked, you know, why, doesn't, why does he do his scoring at the end of the game? And he answered with, well, I have so many guys on, on this team with me that can score the ball, obviously talking about Harrell, Robinson, Drogic, Crowder, et cetera. So yeah, where that is the case, but now I think in game three, they're kind of like almost making it seem like he's literally not shooting the ball to wait until the fourth quarter to do so, when that just seriously, it it cannot be the case, and I, I don't think it's the case, and I think they're going a little too far with it, but... Also, I don't think Eric Spoelstra would allow that to happen. I think if he knew that Jimmy Butler was purposely not trying to score, I think Spo is a good enough coach. (laughs) Yeah, Jimmy, what are you
1: doing?
0: (laughs) You're kind of our star. Like, I'm going to need you to shoot there. So where I do understand where the broadcasters are kind of trying to find a story, I just don't necessarily think it's there.
1: Yeah, I just think that – his role as a superstar on that team is not like a normal superstar and they that just in the heat in general they're just not they're not run like normal organizations they're not like run like normal teams the dude mm-hmm. it's it's next man up literally like whoever is the hot hand they will go to and they don't care um they don't really need a superstar score to just go to to get a bucket late they run their offense the whole game and really bams the superstar of that team and i think that that's where they're missing on the narrative is that we talk about Jimmy Butler because he's the name, he's the big name, obviously, and Bam is still relatively new to casual NBA fans. But Bam is their star. He does everything. He's their engine. He's their heart and soul. He's the reason that they go forward. Uh, maybe not as much on the offensive end of the floor, and they don't really go through him offensively. But that's why, like, that's why Jimmy Butler's not getting superstar, you know, attention for on offense because they he's not their superstar and they know that they do it by committee and they know that they need everybody to do it
0: yeah and you mentioned how you know unique their offense is Uh, same thing with their defense i mean the spolster's throwing out defensive sets that i haven't seen since you know like high school basketball yeah you you see them in one three ones two two one press back into man or two two one press back into a two three zone it's Mm -hmm they really just don't quit. They, they'll throw everything at the Celtics team, you know, to try to throw them off their rhythm. And that's the reason they're up 2-1. And And obviously, Bam is the, the real reason yeah. they're up 2-1 from that game-saving uh, block that he had on Tatum.
1: Yeah. This thing of how like, I mean, it's 2-1, and it looks like the Heat have been in control most of the series. But there's, like, two plays that go different in games one and two. And – We could be talking about the Heat being – even game three, we could be talking about the Heat being up 3-0. We could talk about the Celtics being up 3-0 right now. That's how close this series has been every single game. And I don't really expect it to be any different uh, for the rest of the series. What do you expect uh, for the rest of the series? What's your prediction?
0: I'm expecting uh, the Celtics (laughs) to take it in seven. That's I mean, what how, I'm
1: doing. I am too. We're, we're together. We're going to ride with this team until the end. Yep. <laughs> I
0: have, I have no other choice. I think, uh, <laughs> I think you're making the right decision there, hopping on, hopping on this. Uh, I wouldn't call my mind a Celtics bandwagon at all. Cause it's not a bandwagon, but no, not for you. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, to, you could call either of these teams taking game seven and I wouldn't think anyone was crazy for, for saying either because oh, just yeah. how close this series has been. But, yeah, I think Celtics in Game, in game 7,
1: I, I think, think that's one, just how
0: the series looks.
1: I think the one guarantee is that this series is going 7. I don't think that's yeah. changed at all. These teams are too close that they're just going to – no matter what situation, whoever's down in Game 6 is going to come back and win because these teams are going to not – they're not going to go down like that. Yeah. Um, but I've – as I've been talking about since before this series, this is – one of those series where a superstar becomes a super duper star. And right now it looks like maybe it, that it's up in the air. It could be Bam and it could be Tatum. Maybe it's Jalen Brown, but I think more likely one of the Celtics in game seven has their superstar moment um, mm. over the heat. And that's going to be the difference Celtics and seven. Thank you, guys, for listening to this episode, this Game 3, rest of the series preview for Celtics Heat. Enjoy Game 4. I keep calling it Game 3 because they messed up the schedule and it's throwing me off that we've had to wait for <laughs> to. Game 4 on Wednesday night, 8.30 ESPN. We'll talk to you guys on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Happy Hour Hoops 1. Enjoy the basketball while we still have it here. And Celtics yes. 7. <laughs>